Yes. Welcome to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagAndBanner.com. Through storytelling and conversational interviews, this weekly radio show and podcast offers listeners an insider's view into the commonalities of successful people and the ups and downs of risk-taking. Connect with Carrie through her candid, funny, informative, and always encouraging weekly blog. And now it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business. Thank you, Sun Gray. Today it is my great pleasure to welcome to the table the good people from Arkansas Restore Hope, Miss Rennie Rule and Mr. Charlie Mack. Founded in 2016 by Arkansas's Governor Asa Hutchinson, Restore Hope is successfully working to bridge the gap between struggling communities and government services. Restore Hope is trying to reduce the rate of incarceration, facilitate successful re-entries into society, lower recidivism rates, and thus lower the number of children entering the foster care system. If you feel you're four or five degrees away from any of the aforementioned issues or that these things don't affect you, think again. Knowledge and dignity create better families, broader workforce, lower crime, lower taxes, and stronger economic communities that trickle up. Having known Miss Rule for years, <laughs> I can think of no one more capable to execute such important societal duties. Rennie is the perfect advocate and community director for Arkansas's Restore Hope. She has a degree in social work and a career that spans decades with such reputable nonprofits as UAMS, Arkansas Hospice, and she founded Arkansas's Paws in Prison. She has a degree in social work and a career that spans decades. With her today is Mr. Charlie Mack, a success story who, with four other felons and gang leaders, started their own initiative called Empowering My Environment. With no further ado, it is my great pleasure to welcome to the table the hardworking, community-minded, service above self, Miss Rennie Rule and Mr. Charlie Mack. Yay! Charlie's <laughs> clapping over there. Mr. Mack's clapping. Bravo. Rennie, I read a funny story about you. Uh-oh. I'm, I told Charlie, Mr. Mack, I was going to start with you, Uh-oh. so I am. After graduating top in your class with a degree in social work, now I just said top in her class with a degree in social work. You're advised by your professor to seek another profession. That's correct. Mm. <laughs> okay. What does he mean by that? Well, um, they give you tests, and I scored too high on empathy, meaning that if you're sad, I can really feel it. And I, I can't stop those feelings. And so my reaction to it is unhealthy sometimes to you because I try to solve your problems. A good social worker is able to keep that distance. And our caseworkers are trained to do that. And we've learned, and we'll talk about it, I'm sure, tonight. When you solve your own problems, you're much better at it. As a younger person, when I was in my 20s, if a person was hungry, I bought them their food. I didn't help them solve how they would get themselves out of hunger. Mm -hmm. And so they could see me doing that early on, and they just said, find something else. And so I found fundraising. It's got to stay in social work. And, and I love it. So what did you do when you first got out of school? Um, I worked at the library for a while. 
and then I what went was to your work. first gun? Uh, what was your first gig at a nonprofit? Scan suspected child abuse and neglect. Oh gosh, how did you do that? Well, it um, needed to be done in Pine Bluff, Arkansas, and there wasn't a lot of money, and I had the time, and I wanted to do it, and so I took the training, and that's what I did. I worked as a caseworker and raised money for them. Some of your notable jobs have been UAMS. Mm-hmm. Why did you leave there? I'd been there probably 15 years, gone through two capital campaigns, and it is a fabulous place. I can't say enough good things. But then, you know, I started looking at my life and realizing I was hitting those 60s, mm-hmm. and I probably had one more shot at doing something different. And I, I can't, as I say, I would go back to UAMS. It wasn't that. It was, I want to do a couple more things before mm-hmm. I leave. Mm-hmm. Been there, done that. Okay. Well, you ended up doing more than one more thing. You've done a couple, like you just said. You uh, went and did Arkansas Hospice next? I did. I did. What is the question you are answered most for your clients and families that they ask you? About Arkansas Hospice? Mm -hmm. When you're working in Arkansas Hospice, what do people ask you the most about? When is it time to put my loved one in hospice? Mm -hmm. And the answer is the earlier, the better. Because what hospice does is... They come in and they let you be the daughter again. You get to move away from being that caregiver. I was a caregiver for my mother for 13 years. And until I took her to hospice and she was in hospice and someone else was taking care of her, then I got to become a daughter again. Did she live there or did she live at your house when she was in hospice? um, She lived in hospice part of the time and then the rest of the time she was in a nursing home. So you can, uh, I think a lot of people think when you get involved in hospice that you're, you're going to put them in the hospice nursing home, so to speak. But you can keep them at home and they can still oh, be in the hospice absolutely. care system. Absolutely. And that's where we want them. We want them where they are the most comfortable. Mm-hmm. But we also want to be able to help the family. And it's it's a very important decision. So I don't know if you know this, Rennie. My mother just passed away in 2018, and it was right before they changed the rules. I don't know when you left hospice, but it was right before they changed the rules that they would not let you come in unless they thought you were within the six months of your end of life. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. You did. You have to. You can't shake your head on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all didn't hear that shake. <laughs> <I heard>. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, or nod your head, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yes. So you six. can't go too early anymore because you're like the earlier the better. But they won't actually take you anymore because they think people are because cl- they're full. Yeah, they're very full. Yes, and but that six month period in there is very important mm-hmm. for the family. I kept my mother in my home, and hospice came to us, mm-hmm. and I highly recommend that uh, if you can, you have room, and you know. I mean, if you go to work every day, you can't leave your mother there all the time. But I was able to afford a lady to come and sit with mother and take work off because I work for myself. So what's your takeaway from the hospice job? If you took one thing away from the hospice job, what would it be? I think it is that you let the patient guide you what they want. We have a tendency with loved ones to make them feel better, to make them get well. And oftentimes... Our loved one's ready to go. Always, I think. Yes. They're almost begging. Yes. And for, I don't, 
I can't say the quote that you started the show with, which was wonderful, but to listen to them, they'll tell you, they'll tell you what they want. And, you know, some of my most wonderful experiences was I went into a lady's room and she probably had three or four days. And I said, what do you want? What do you want? And she said, I really want to go zip lining. And I said, then you know what, honey? I'll be back here tomorrow morning. We'll go zip lining. No, that is not true. That is true. In a wheelchair? Did you zip line in no, a wheelchair? No, she was not in a wheelchair. <laughs> she was not in a wheelchair. She was with her nurses. The nurses went with us, and we went zip lining. Strapped her in. Strapped her in. And she said it was the happiest day of her life. And that's what she wanted to do, where her daughter was over there saying, Mom, if you do that, you could die. And she said, I'm dying anyway. <laughs> she said, let me go. And so it was a wonderful day for all of us. Wow, that's a good story. All right, let's move on to 2011. You founded Paws in Prison. I read a little bit about this, how you were working at hospice, and you read about a man who wanted his last meal. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Tell that story. Well, I wasn't working in hospice. Oh, I was weren't. just I was a, I just moved to Little Rock and there were three men that this has been about 25 years ago that were being executed at the same time. And Mara Leverett wrote an article about one of the men and his name was um Leverett. I mean Hoyt Kleins. And he wanted a hamburger, french fries and banana bread and the article just said the kitchen didn't make banana bread. And as you know, Carrie, I'm not a good cook. And mm-hmm. I thought, I can take him some banana bread. And so the next day I made some banana bread and took it down to him. And, they, of course, they wouldn't give it to him because they said they needed to protect him, protect him so that they could euthanize him the next day, I suppose. Anyway, I did get the banana bread to him through the warden, and he called me that night. And we talked for 48 minutes. And um, that's when I became involved with the prison. So it's been about 30 years ago. And how did pause for prison, pause in prison come about? Well, his last wish to me was that I would build a chapel at Tucker Max. And so it took me 15 years to build the chapel at Tucker Max, which meant I was there a lot. Watching these men, these brilliant, and you'll see when you talk to them, these brilliant men, they don't have anything to do all day. And so I kept looking for things to do. And then you all remember, um, what was the football player's name that had all the pit bulldogs? Uh, oh, Michael. Michael Vick. Michael Vick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they sentenced his 52 pit bulldogs to be euthanized. And a prison from Virginia petitioned the governor, give us those dogs and let us through intense behavior modification, train them. The end of the story was 48 of them went on to be adopted by children and three of them went on to be service dogs. And so I was on the first plane out there and I knew. And then it took me three years to convince Bibi that that's what we should put into our prisons. And we've saved to date. I think we're at 1,872 dogs. Wow. And not to mention, you know, what it does to the inmates. So that's how it all happened. Yeah, it's in six facilities. I think I read you're in six. We've got pause in prison in six facilities. Six facilities. Uh, you've reduced the number of dogs euthanized. Inmates are contributing and feel worthy. Oh. And uh, learning responsibility and skills that I guess can be used later. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this is a great place to take a break. 
Don't think we're not going to get to Charlie Mack. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Miss Rennie Rule and Mr. Charlie Mack from Restore Hope, a nonprofit working to solve the serious problems in Arkansas of incarceration, recidivism. That is the hardest word for me, recidivism. Say it five times real fast. You chose it. No, <laughs> I didn't make that word up, but Recid- I do love that recidivism. word. Recidivism, it Rec- is a good word. It's a great word. I'm going to put it in a, <laughs> Charlie's rolling his eyes, it's not a good word. <laughs> <laughs> I've lived that yeah, word. Okay. It's not a good word. Anyway, problems in Arkansas, incarceration, recidivism, and the foster care residual that the kids come back and back. Still to come, Mr. Charlie Mack's story, the life that led to his imprisonment, the disturbing but fascinating statistics of crime, punishment, and foster children, and my favorite part, redemption, success stories. We'll be back after the break. You're listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of flagandbanner.com. Over 40 years ago, with only $400, Carrie founded Arkansas Flag and Banner. During the last four decades, the business has grown and changed, along with Carrie's experience and leadership knowledge. In 1995, she embraced the internet and rebranded her company as simply flagandbanner.com. In 2004, she became an early blogger. Since then, she has founded the nonprofit Friends of Dreamland Ballroom, began publishing her magazine, Brave, and in 2016, branched out into this very radio show, YouTube channel, and podcast. And today, in 2021, Carrie McCoy Enterprises acquired OurCornerMarket.com, an online company specializing in American-made plaques, signage, and memorials for over 20 years. If you'd like to sponsor this show or get involved with any of Carrie McCoy's enterprises, send an email to me. That's gray, G-R-A-Y at flagandbanner.com. Telling American-made stories, selling American-made flags. The flagandbanner.com. Back to you, Carrie. Thanks, Gray. Before the break... We were talking with Rennie Rule about her life in social work, nonprofit, and all the great things she's done through UAMS, SCAN, hospice, Arkansas hospice, and pause in prison. And now she's with Arkansas uh, Restore Hope, which we're going to talk about. And with her, she brought Mr. Charlie Mack, who, along with other felons and past gang members, has started a program called Empowering My Environment. Before you tell us about this initiative, Mr. Mack, tell us about your life and the story that led up to the events. What were you convicted of? Um, possession of a controlled substance. How old were you first time? Uh, probably eighteen, but that wasn't that was um just had a I had a gun. Oh. I got caught with a gun. And I've been caught with guns, you know. In the streets you have to it's better to have be judged by twelve than carried by six. So that means it's better to have a gun and go to and go to prison than to be killed. You rather you rather be alive and be in prison than dead. Why are black men killing each other? I think it's um, poverty. I think I think poverty is the main thing. Everyone wants to take care of their family. It's a, it's a process because huh. poverty is embedded in our community. So you grow up wanting more and more, and to get more, you think you have to take it. So that's where the violence comes in. That's where the killing comes in because if you if you take something from somebody, who who's gonna let you just take it from them? Somebody's gonna say, No, that's mine, you know? So it, it turns into a violent situation. But it's the violence and the killing is connected with poverty. It's all connected. Okay, you go to certain neighborhoods in the city, in Little Rock, 
there's not a lot of violence in their communities because the community is, is affluent. It has wealth. There's no reason to be to, for somebody to take something from somebody in that community. Because but if everybody's people, poor, you're just taking from each other nothing. Exactly. Exactly. So that's the mindset. Oh, it's the mindset. It's a mindset. Thing. You have to think outside of that environment. That's why we named our business Empowering My Environment. Because your environment starts with your mindset, how you think. Not just where you live or where you reside. But first of all, you have to reside in your mind. You have to think things and, and think things through. And, and and if you see yourself in a bad situation and think that's all you know, then you're going to continue doing those wrong things. But if you change your mindset, if you get a focus point in your life to where you want to change and you want to see things better, then your mindset changes and it changes your environment as well. That's such a huge thing to do is to change people's minds and change a whole community. How do you even begin doing because something? Because I have to start myself. It starts with me. We started it together, my brothers, Turtle and Caleb. We changed our lives. We, we pulled ourselves up from the bootstraps through support, through a higher power, through religion. However we did it, we found a way to get out of that, that mindset thinking of, of doing things that, detrimental to others and ourselves and once we started doing that our whole world's changed we started becoming involved with allies like miss rennie and paul and and we started becoming more involved with our neighborhood and and people in our neighborhood became started respecting us more they don't see us as the gang member that young boy i seen with their gun last week no you're not him anymore you're the guy that talks to their children and tell them man don't do that i've done that before and that's smart to do that so when i hear on the and you know I'm I don't I don't know anything about this so forgive me for being stupid. I'm, I'm here to teach you. Thank you, <laughs> thank you. So when I hear um, people say that the bangers and the gang members are respected and looked up to in the neighborhood, you're saying they're not really. No, they are looked up and respected, but, but for the wrong reasons. But you're saying now that you're not one, people are like, oh, that's not the guy with the gun. No, I'm I'm saying my actions. I'm still I'm still Charlie Mac. But my actions are different from the younger Charlie Mac. I'm not the violent, willing to do whatever, hurt people type of Charlie Mac. I'm the. I don't want to be that past guy anymore. I, I, I'm showing them that I'm a future. I'm the future, and my future is much brighter than what they've seen in the past. And I want to kind of um, rectify. So what there's I've two done. kinds of respect in the community. There's the respect of the guy who's the gang leader, mm-hmm. and then there's the respect of the guy who's trying to get people out of the gang. Because now you're the different guy. Now you're respected for being different. I'm respected because of my actions. Again, Mm -hmm. I'm still in the gang. I'm still associated with my gang. But I'm doing different activities inside of there. I'm not violent. I'm not selling drugs. I'm uplifting my community. Why are there even gangs that exist? I also think a lot of people have a misunderstanding with the word gangs. Because you could put organization on on, on instead of gangs and it'll be a wholly different word. Oh, you're so right. So you can put, that, so, that, so, so, there's nothing wrong with brilliant. gangs. That was that, good. That, yeah, yeah, we, put, we call it organization. So, so the organization is, a, a gang is the word for organization. What I'm saying is it's the name that, that changes the perception of people. What's okay. the goal of the gang in the neighborhood? Okay, gangs started because there was a lot of problems with the police. The police were in our neighborhoods not doing the right thing. And the gangs were created to kind of police the police, to watch them. And it turned, I don't know if you guys watched this series called Snowfall. It comes on FX. And it showed how crack cocaine came into the neighborhoods and how the CIA brought crack into the neighborhoods. 
So that changed the gang format. Now the gang aren't protecting. They're trying to make money because of the crack. It's so much money. She said the CIA brought, unless FX show the CIA brought the crack into the area. Why would they do that? That just creates more crime, doesn't it? Because they said they were trying to um, stop the, the, what what was it, Um, Oliver North and Uh the the, what was Uh going on Uh with the um, um, the war in South America. And they was using the drugs to finance it. Is that supposed to be true? I don't know. I just watch TV. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I don't have no. One, I don't have any inside points or none. Oh, right, I, I, right. and don't get me hurt. <laughs> I just. I just say what the TV said. Yes, but the gang members started to police themselves, self-governing. Yes, but it changed when but the drugs came, and it became violent, and it turned. It, t- it imploded. So now. Now the gang members, they're killing each other for the money and the business of, of the crack. So now it's not not good anymore. It's instantly turned bad. Yeah. So that's, and, and from that bad fourth step, that's how gangs have evolved to where we are now. And the thing is with gangs, gang members are your cousins, your brothers, your fathers. They're human beings. They're people just like you and they just going through a different situation that you might be going through. Yeah. And, and to understand a gang member is just to sit down and talk to them. Anyway, communication is the best way to change and to move a block out of the way. It's talking. Me and Miss Rennie and I. Mm-hmm. Y'all are tight. Totally different people. Don't we look like totally different people? Yeah, y'all do. Mm-hmm. Y'all don't start dating. But this is, this is my buddy. She listens. She t- gives me great advice. I give her advice. Yeah. Look at that. Well, you're teaching us right now. And, and it's, it's about total opposites, sitting down, talking, and becoming family. And it's, it, one of the things that he that they uh, they did was they did food drives, mm-hmm. and it was so Who's funny. They? Empowering EME. my environment. EME. Yeah, you can call okay. us EME. But, EME. Mm-hmm. EME. But what I would say to my friends were, the gangs are doing food drives down there. What? Hmm. That that's out of their image. Mm-hmm. But they were doing food drives. They were cleaning up their community. Mm-hmm. They. And that, going back to their original purpose. Right. G- going back to their original purpose, yes. And one thing that we've learned from the Restore Hope is it's not outside leaders coming into a community that changes a community. It is always the leaders within the community that change the community. And that's what these four men are doing. And w- we're just along for the ride. I mean, and it has been a powerful just process to watch them and mr chapman of course he's an entrepreneur and has helped them but and who's mr chapman he's executive director of restore hope oh okay and so he's helped them as they've come up with their businesses and their business plans but um so when i say past gang members they're not past gang no, members i'm still i'm still there i'm just in a different light i'm in a gang mm-hmm. yeah and but, so you've gone back to jail I went back to jail. I've been to jail several times, yeah. Yes. And what is one of the reasons that you end up going back to jail over and over? Because people talk about what is the percentage of people that go back to jail? It's high. It's very high. 55%. I thought it was higher than that even. That's still high. Over half. Well, it is. 5% over half. And what what, what made me go back to jail? The word you can't say good and you don't like. Recidivism. 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 That, that word. But, mm-hmm. but here's something that we could teach our listeners. We think of recidivism as meaning, say, a, a person came out of prison and they were put in prison because they robbed a bank. Well, recidivism, when they go back, means they robbed another bank. Mm-hmm. No, it doesn't. They didn't pay their parking tickets. True. They didn't take care of some fee that they owed. It could be 
anything. It could be a very minor, minor situation. I mean, I have to brag on our caseworkers and Restore Hope. One of the things they've done with these incentive checks is they have helped our clients take that $1,500 mm-hmm. and get those fees paid down, get their driver's license back. They oh, have, you're talking about the stimulus, $1,500? Yes. Oh, yes. nice. And so thinking about it in a different way, you have the opportunity here to get your driver's license back. You can imagine trying to live in a life without a driver's license. And I listed that I found off of Restore Hope's website, the problems, like we said, are incarceration, then the recidivism for the reasons you just mentioned, and foster care for these children that have to keep going in and out of foster care. And then one of the other problems is understanding and navigating the government services that you said your caseworkers helped these candidates in Restore Hope to use their money to navigate the government services to pay down bills so some of the things that you said that they needed to do families face upon release from prison are having child welfare cases open Mm -hmm. which could have fines uh, unable to pay like you said misdemeanor traffic tickets you're going back to jail you didn't go back to jail for that though mr i went to um, um, community service I, I I almost did, but it it wasn't. It was a traffic ticket, like Miss Rennie said, and it was a final that I didn't pay, and I forgot about it. And uh, they pulled me over, and I thought, Why'd you uh, get pulled over? You never heard of driving while black? You never heard of that? Yes, but I didn't know if it's, that was why real. you got pulled over for being for being black. Or I was just got, driving. I was I was no license plate, nothing. I had licenses. That's I, what I'm just asking. I did you just, have a? I was a normal everyday American, just driving, down driving the road. around, just happened to be black. Okay, and I was pulled over, and, you and I didn't know that I had uh, had a warrant on me. I had a warrant, uh-huh. so I went to jail. They took me to jail. And I, they gave me community service, let me out, and I did the community service, no problem. I've been I've been now for what since. 2006 i've never been back good uh simple things that they can't get also if you've been incarcerated and don't have transportation is a driver's license Mm -hmm. it's very much and we're fighting that i would say fighting i mean we're working with the legislator now we we think we um mr chapman did a wonderful job with one of the committees in trying to get temporary driver's license and so it still has to go through the house can you not get a driver's license if you're a felon is that one of the issues, or is it because you have to buy the driver's license? Well, you don't. You have your driver's license taken away because of DWIs, mm-hmm. or because you haven't paid your fees, or you didn't appear in court mm-hmm. for a variety of reasons. But of course, you can imagine that also limits how many jobs you can have when right. you come out of prison. And what many people don't understand, you know, every time that you get a DWI, it's ten thousand dollars, and then if you go into prison for five years. At ten thousand goes to twenty thousand mm. goes to thirty thousand. They just keep adding it up. They do. So when you leave prison, you could have a fifty thousand dollar fine waiting for you for something that you committed when you were eighteen. Mm-hmm. When you were eighteen, yes. That yes. cannot be for real. Now that doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that needs to be changed. But when, it's about money, though. So when it's about money, why change it? Now yeah. Texas changed it. Oh, they their and, and their philosophy was, look, if the state sentences you to five years, you have paid your fines. That's right. So when you come out, you get a clean slate. Mm-hmm. Because Charlie, it's not a popular legislative 
uh, subject to bring up mm. it, it, it in the legislature. You don't. You're not going to get your name in the paper for that, or get every, your constituents aren't going to love you if you bring that up. And so you, you, you know, it's all about politics. Right. But the money, you go back to prison for something like not paying a fine or not being able to. That costs a lot more than oh, than any money that they could make off of a fine. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. But bodies are money in the penitentiary. Mm -hmm. That's money. That's guaranteed money. I thought they cost money. No, the bodies in there reap the system. The system reaps off that. But that's another story. Neither here nor there. Oh gosh, I haven't read up on that. (laughs) Yes, and we kind of know about that kind of stuff. So I thought that our taxpayers paid for the prison system. Hmm. We do. There's several ways that you could tell the example, but yes. If you keep someone in prison for $25,000 a year mm-hmm. when they could be out being part a tax, of the workforce, yes. tax, yes, yes, that uh, doesn't that, make good sense. One that I thought was interesting was, and I, I knew this one because my daughter in law worked at our house, but reliable transportation is tough when you're mm-hmm. trying to keep a job. And then uh, I knew this one too deposit on a dwellings. If you're going to rent an apartment, you got to have a deposit. And then this was one I did not know and I had not thought about is um, health problems. Yeah. So many people have health problems Mm -hmm. and there's not really much help for their health problems. Can they go to our care? They are Arkansas care if they can, if they're children, but not if they're adults. Or how do they handle their health problems when they come out? There's a huge bill that, again, hats off to Governor Hutchinson and several of the senators and representatives that have put together a health care that will make that possible for especially people in rural areas that are coming out of prison. Um, you can usually find health care in a city that will will, t- will help you, Medicaid mm-hmm. or something like that. But especially in rural areas, they've done a great job of getting that started. So that speaks to uh, you helping people navigate their government services that they may not know how to use. Because it's tough. I mean, I own a small business, and I can't read all the paperwork and understand what you're supposed to do and where you're supposed to go. Well, that's why my hat's off to these men. Starting a business, it's not easy. Is empowering my environment a business? Yes. Oh, it it's is. It's a multifaceted business. It's a brand and a movement. Uh, it's also a podcast. It's a clothing line, and it's a consulting agency and a trucking service. And a construction service, <laughs> construction agency. Yeah, we got a lot. So tell me how uh, empowering my environment. Envir- EME. You can just EME, say EME. EME. Tell me how EME works with uh, Restore Hope. Well, Restore Hope and EME are partners. We look at situations in the communities, and we EME as uh, experts, we consult with um, Restore Hope, and we come up with programs and solutions to help fix those problems in di- in different communities. And we sit down with people and pick their brain and we listen and ask questions that are detrimental to, to, to helping them. We don't want to go into a situation and say, we know what you need. Here's what you need. That's what I like to do. No, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> don't work. <laughs> you stop oh, you got to listen? <laughs> yeah. You got to listen? Sometimes, Carrie, sometimes. <laughs> not, not, not all, not 365, maybe 172, 172 days, maybe. Yeah. And uh, we just listen more. And once you listen to somebody and then we try to treat people as friends and then we, we gradually grow into family. Because with EME and coming from a gang, your gang is your family. 
You know, you go, you eat together, you sleep in the same apartments together, you hang around each other. You do? You drink. I didn't know that. I'm just telling you, Miss Carrie. Okay, 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 okay. And uh, we, it's a family orientated uh, organization because people don't want to see it that way. So mm-hmm. everyone has that different mindset of way something is. Mm-hmm. But it's only, my mother taught me there's three things. There's only three things. There's uh, your side, my side, and the truth. I've heard that before. And if my side is closer to the truth, it just looks like I'm telling the truth, right? So we want people to tell us the truth. We want people to give us all their information so we can help them because we're genuinely here to help. We we put people on our podcast from our neighborhood, black-owned businesses. We market them. If They probably would have would not have had a way to be exposed and get their business out, but we put them out there because that's what we want to do. We I watched help. your podcast. I you like it? A, I did. I watched a couple of them. Let me just take a quick break to say you're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking today with Miss Rennie Rule and Mr. Charlie Mack from Arkansas's Restore Hope a nonprofit working to solve the problems of incarceration, recidivism, and foster care, and also empowering my environment, which is a, I don't think it's a nonprofit. It's no, more of an no. initiative. It empowers people in the African-American community. So uh, how do... Can I say something? Sure, absolutely. Um, I don't think it's in the African-American community. I think huh? we, our logo says unity with every side. So we're, we're doing it. We're starting with our community, but... It's gonna it's, it's gonna explode in the city. It's for everyone. It doesn't matter your your color. It doesn't matter your uh, occupation. It doesn't matter what neighborhood you're from. Unity with every side means everyone, and we're trying to get everyone on the same page to have, like Miss Rennie said, empathy for all. If you have empathy for somebody, it means you care about them and you feel it. So mm-hmm. when they're hurting, you feel pain too. Mm-hmm. So you want to help them get some of that. You can't change people's complete life. You can't take away all the pain, but you can. You know, take as much as possible as you can and help them. And that's all we're trying to do. We're trying to help our community, help everyone else, and then we want everybody else to reach in and help others. That's lovely. So uh, I watched your podcast on the Facebook page mm-hmm. of, as, I guess that's where it was, it, where it's housed, is on the Facebook page. It's on page. YouTube and on, on our Facebook page, Empowering My Environment. EME is empowering my environment. Our environment is, it starts with our mind. It starts how we think. It starts how you wake up and perceive the day to be every day. It's me and my brothers getting together and reversing some of the bad things that we've done now that we're in this more positive light. We are trying to start something, a movement, the brothers and I. Turtle, Charlie Rock, and Caleb, we're trying to start something that empowers not only our minds, but those minds that we are in contact with in the neighborhood. We're trying to make our neighborhood a better place. So we're saying our mind first, then our community next, and then everything else will follow. How many have you done so far? Seven. Seven? I think you're right at seven. Seven? I thought it was more. It seems like more. It's like 25. <laughs> it's a lot harder than it looks, isn't it? Yes, it's much harder. And, and, and from when we started to now, it's a whole different, um, it's a whole different animal. We were like so nervous and weird in the beginning, and now we just naturally like, we're supposed to be on in front of this microphone. This microphone is an extension of me now. 
Thoroughbreds. I watched the Thoroughbreds. Yeah, that's a homegirl, Sharonda Williams. Mm-hmm, yeah, she's mm-hmm. got a nice business going. She got a lot of things going. Well, the whole time I watched it, I wanted to give her advice, and I'll just quickly tell you this one because I think everybody should hear this, is it drives me crazy when people spell words wrong. No. She spelled Thoroughbred. She made up her own spelling for Thoroughbred, and I thought, girl, no one's ever going to find you online. They are, but they do. <laughs> I'm sorry, no. Carrie, they do. I've told, I've told this to her before, too. It's like I used to work for a flower shop that had a misspelled name, and she was like, oh, they're never going to be popular. They're like the most popular flower shop in Northwest <laughs> Arkansas. It drives me crazy. It's not misspelled. It's, it's on purpose. I know it's, it's spelled, on purpose. It's spelled branding. the way she wants it. Exactly. It's, it's brandy. And everyone loves it. I'm sorry to tell you. <laughs> Uh, look, I'm shaking like my hand. Bread. He's shaking his head. Yeah, people like thoroughbred. <laughs> <laughs> like my so is it girl. a bakery? Huh? Is it a bakery? Thoroughbred? No, thoroughbred no. is a it's, it's a um That's entertainment. Good. I don't know. That's good. It's gonna be funny. It's, a, it's, it's an entertainment um business. She um she goes and sits up parties for people, and she's oh. like the MC. She comes out and tells them, "Oh, we're gonna have such and such and such and such perform." She's the MC, and oh, that's, that's cool. her business. Oh, I love and that. And it's an amazing business. Okay, so. Uh, Restore Hope uh, acts as a brokering agency to connect communities and government and helps with technology assistance, solves complicated issues, uh, collaborative intervention with government agencies, nonprofit and local businesses, and that your approach is a holistic approach, education, jobs, counseling, parenting, addiction. Let's talk about parenting and addiction. You know, why would a gang be your family? Where is your real family? Okay, your real family is in your in your house, like in your home, you know? Your gang is your family in the streets. Did you have a mother and father? Yeah, I got a mother. <laughs> um, my father passed, but yeah, I have a mother. Mm-hmm. I have a mother and I have two other brothers. Um, Why gang, did they let you get in a gang? Can't nobody let you get in Why a gang. Why are they not I chose to get in a gang. No one lets you get in a gang. It's your choice. It's a decision in life. You you choose or you don't choose. Because you're a grown man and you can make those decisions. No, I wasn't a grown man when I joined the gang. See, I, I would have taken Gray and locked him in his bedroom if he started packing a gun I don't think my mother really drugs. knew all of that. You know, you, you know how kids are. Your parents don't know everything you do. That would be impossible so for a parent to So what's the solution to keep kids from making bad choices? The solution is you have to have men or older, older younger guys or older men to help guide everyone needs a guidance somewhere and and where i'm from the male figure the father figure is usually is not there too often why is that it's a lot of things like i said sometimes crime you commit a crime you go to prison you're gone from your oh. family mm-hmm. um death you know it's, it's sometimes it's violent it's a violent situation sometimes the male dies he's murdered um poverty he doesn't have any money he's not getting along with his his wife or a girlfriend, he leaves. Every black man almost that's worked for me has had a wife that he loves with his children, and mm-hmm. he has a girlfriend. Oh, you got two. You got a side chick. Uh-huh. All of them. Oh, and it makes me crazy. Them. Well, you, you just <laughs> met me, and I don't have a side chick. Thank you. One of them had a wife, a wife. girlfriend, and a mistress. I said, how are you doing? He said, I work two jobs. Yep. I said, is it worth that? I don't think it's worth all that. <laughs> that's too much stress trouble in my mind. Yeah, I like I like the laid-back um uh, Sit up with my family, hang out with my friends, and I don't like stress and all that. And I, and I mean, is that maybe an example of one of the things that they're trying to show the younger generation? Mm-hmm. You may see this, yeah, but this is not the best way to exactly. live. Exactly, this is not what is best. So it's not the talk that they're giving them. It's the example. They, it's, it's example. It's truly the example. Ms. You Randy. are showing them. You come home with your wife. I was talking mm-hmm. to one of the men today, and he said. 
every morning when they leave, they say to each other, I will come home to you safely. Mm-hmm. And the other one says, and I will come home to you safely. And this, this is, that's and, beautiful. And that's, that's their marriage. They will come home to each other safely. And so I think from where I sit, that's what these men are doing. And they're getting other men. I mean, the last time they had a big cookout, there was probably what? Over a hundred people yeah. there. We were on Martin Luther King Day. We we had a big cookout in the neighborhood, and a lot of people came. It was Miss Rennie was there. Paul was well, there. Well, sure she was. Yeah, and she <laughs> ate all the barbecue. She could. She had a good time. <laughs> good old time with my mom. But so. but, but I'm telling. But you were you were modeling mm-hmm. to those young boys. This is the way you spend Martin Luther King Day, and we're really excited. I'm going to just throw this in here real fast. Um, the Winthrop Rockefeller Institute has asked us to help Arkansas understand what do we need. So these men will be a focus group for the Rockefeller Institute on April the 8th. Eight felons will come into a room and will tell them, this is what we need when we come out of prison to make our lives better. We're not asking you to give it to us, but listen to us. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't decide for us. This is what we need. And, and to me, that's a major start that Winthrop Rockefeller Institute is moving and is, and is helping us solve this problem. So we're giving them, Ms. Rennie, we're giving them solutions. That's right. you got to give them solutions from the horse's mouth, from people who've experienced That's right. The best consult, even in drug programs, the best uh, counselor is a, a rehabilitated addict. Yes. The best. So why can't, and we are the best to stop violence because we used to do violence. Yeah. So we know all about it. And we know a solution to how to stop it, and we want to help. We want, and we're using our business to make money as we help. It's America. Were you ever on drugs? Did you have to deal uh, with addiction? I smoked weed. Yeah, I was addicted to a, a drug. You guys probably never heard of. It's it called Sherm. No, what? you never heard of Sherm? I've heard of formaldehyde. You never? Oh, formaldehyde. Yes. We call it Wet Daddy in the neighborhood. Oh, I've heard. You that. roll it up in a joint, and, but it's like. Embalming fluid on, on, on tobacco, and you and it gets you super hot. And I was addicted to that, but I caught, I quit cold turkey. It was hard. It was like everything that you want to overcome. What you call it? What's it called? Sherm, wet daddy. Wet uh, daddy. But the solutions that we're coming up with will enable our community to grow, and it also enables us to align with other communities yeah. and, and ally with other communities where we can all help because we all. If you look at it, all communities, they, they basically have some of the same problems, but but mm-hmm. some are just more, mm-hmm. are more exasperated, more bigger than mm-hmm. the others. But if you get down to the nitty gritty and the, the truth of it, we can we can solve these problems together. Well, as a businesswoman, all I can talk about is my point of view, and we don't have enough people in the workforce. I'll tell you right now, thing. we don't have enough people in the workforce, mm-hmm. and I try to hire people all the time, and. There's just not enough people that can get to work on time, have transportation, have good enough health, or just a multitude of reasons like we've talked about here. So with any or, you know, or in jail, um, we've hired up several felons, though, and we've had great success. You know, truck driving. Oh, that's a great one to talk about. 50,000 truck drivers in Arkansas. We need that many? We need that many. I've been told that there is a major shortage of truck drivers. Mm -hmm. Well, we will open a school April 5th, and we're going after it Mm -hmm. because they will hire felons. You don't have to have a GED, 
and you can make $35,000 the first year and 60000 the next, they can have a career. We can take them from crisis to career. I can get excited about this. Yeah, you can. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm going to calm yeah, down a little bit. <laughs> but, but, but they stand a chance, and they'll never get laid off. And because that's a they need great so many. job. It is a great job. And, and you sleep in the bed of the car. Some of these people are like, this is a great bed. I'd yep. love to sleep in that bed. Yeah, and women can do it, and mm-hmm. you don't have to be on the road. I mean, we need truck drivers in town, so yeah. they're home oh. every night with their children and their families. Yeah, we need dually drivers and yeah. drive the dually trucks, like the trucks that you move somebody's boat or stuff like that. You can, you can, we can rent your truck out to, and do all kind of work. Oh, I thought you were talking about uh, drivers on well, long haul. We well, are yeah, long haul. Yeah. we're talking about citywide too. And so, there's a school that you're going to partner with. Yes, and it's already full. We've got our first class already full, oh. and. We're going to just keep on going, and it's it's a wonderful opportunity for a felon. It's one of the best. Mm-hmm. How do people find out about this? How are they going to get in touch with you? How are they going to learn about it? How, anybody that's listening now, they're going to call well, and probably my out. EME, or are they going to yeah, call you can, Restore you can, Hope? You can get in t- we can get in contact with Restore Hope or EME. EME has a Facebook page. Um, Restore Hope also has a page, um, but we've been passing our flyers around. Oh, the city. like crazy! And like we, crazy. we we didn't got a lot of people from our neighborhood involved. We go down to the park and just say, "Man, we got something for you guys." You know, just read it. And and Miss Rennie and Paul said they've been been getting a lot of phone calls and, and a lot of people, and they sold out two classes so far. And people just don't know, right? They and so it's it's just getting it up to their awareness. That I, I don't think people realize there's a shortage of drivers. They didn't. A lot of people didn't know that truck driver was in such a high demand. I I was shocked when I found out. And that you can make great money. And you don't have to be overnight. You can go home. I yeah. didn't realize they take felons. Yeah. Yes, they take felons. And you don't have to have your GED. That's a good thing. It's a great career move. It's a great career great move. Career if you're coming move. out of a prison, it's a great career move. Gives you responsibility, independence. And so you'll help them get a license. if they, They've got to get a license. You get that when you go through the school. Mm-hmm. So uh, responsibility, there's dignity and responsibility. Yes. And we've talked a lot about, uh, what do they say? Don't give a man a fish. Give him a fishing pole. Mm-hmm. And y'all are kind of, I think, doing that. Yep. Um, some of your accomplishments at uh, Restore Hope have been four counties. Pulaski, Crawford, White, and Sebastian. You're excited about the future, I can tell. Yeah, we tell are. Tell them about the um, uh, April 13th. Uh, you better hurry. We've got a few minutes left. Uh, we're going to launch. Every time we, the governor sends us into a different county, we launch it. And so we'll launch Pulaski County on April the 13th. And we'll be at War Memorial Stadium outside. EME is going to come. How many people do you think are going to be about there? About We hope at 100. 100. It'll be outside. We and. Are. We will all sign a petition that says we will gather together and work and get these people back out of crisis, into stability, what into career. I love it. Uh, to help the least, the last, and the lost. April 13th. April 13th. And EME is Memorial. coming out cooking, so it's going to be some really good barbecue really good. and really good food. And we got a band that's going to be out there yeah. that they've said that they would come out free, so it'll be fun. It's okay, be April fun. 13th. We'll put the date on our website. April 13th, um, mm-hmm. um, 12. Twelve to one. Twelve to one. Twelve to one. Not too long. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do, uh, so? If you want to get involved or you want to reach out to these people, just call Restore Hope. Call and go, EME. EME, go to Empower My Environment on Facebook. You, our number is there. You can contact us. We answer questions. We're not scared. We talk. We talk mm-hmm. back. So just go to Empower My Environment on Facebook page, and you can see our videos on YouTube also. I've really enjoyed talking to oh, Randy Rule. Y'all great. are great. great. And, uh, and 
this is but for a gift for both of y'all for coming on. It's a, a desk set with a U.S. and an Arkansas flag. Oh, thank you so much, Charlie Mack thank and Rennie Rue. Oh, thank, thank you, Carrie. You you're so welcome. This is, you're great. a great host. <laughs> you are. I don't care what they say about you. You're a great host. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? You weren't scared of me, were you? Uh, in closing to our listeners, I want to thank you for spending time with us. We hope you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring or enlightening. And if you haven't, you haven't been listening. Mm-hmm. And that whatever it is will help you up your business your independence or your life i'm carrie mccoy and i'll see you next time on up in your business until then be brave and keep it up here's a message from dreamland ballroom upstairs in taborian hall home of flagandbanner.com when a great organization serving a great community issues a new mission statement that's a big deal and the friends of dreamland has one friends of dreamland celebrates the community of historic west 9th street shares the legacy of dreamland ballroom and preserves the original intent of Taborian Hall. Let's break that down. Celebrate the community. The men and women that lived, worked, and played in the West 9th Street neighborhood faced brutal social stigma every day, but thrived. We'll never forget this, and we'll always celebrate it. Share the legacy. There's no doubt that the most fun and fascinating facet of the history of Dreamland Ballroom are all the legends that graced the Dreamland stage. Unfortunately, it's taken only one generation to almost completely forget this great history. It promotes pride in our hometown when we remember it and encourages us to do everything we can to keep this community strong. And finally, preserve the original intent. Taborian Hall was built as a central fixture of commerce, community organization, and entertainment. And that's our mission statement now. We have a major legacy to live up to and a lot of work ahead of us, but we plan to move forward. See how you can help develop the new mission statement into reality. Visit dreamlandballroom.org. You've been listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. For links to resources you heard discussed on today's show, go to flagandbanner.com, select radio show, and choose today's guest. If you'd like to sponsor this show or any show, contact me, Gray, at gray at flagandbanner.com. That's G-R-A-Y at flagandbanner.com. All interviews are recorded and posted the following week. Stay informed of exciting upcoming guests by subscribing to our YouTube channel or podcast wherever you like to listen. Carrie's goal is simple, to help you live the American dream.